Here at healthnewsreview.org, you may or may not know there are seven words we strongly recommend not using in any kind of healthcare media messages. Those words are hope, dramatic, promising, victim, breakthrough, miracle, and cure. Yet it's interesting to note that the Alzheimer's Association, the leading nonprofit funder of Alzheimer's research, has at one time or another used all seven for decades, which is compelling for a disease in which the cause is unknown and a treatment doesn't exist. The term cure in and of itself is not harmful. It's the unfounded promises for cure just around the corner. It touches the heartstrings and then it, it opens the purse strings. Dr. Elon Caspi is a gerontologist and dementia behavior specialist with the University of Minnesota Nursing School. He believes the Alzheimer's Association's dual mission, one, to eliminate the disease, and two, support those who have it, is out of whack, that it places cure over care. And this is exactly the, the crux of the matter. This is the, the root of, the, of, the, of this debate. I'm all for giving hope, but I'm, I'm all for giving realistic hope. And that's a big difference. Because while waiting for the cure, there are millions of people around the world that receive low or poor care. Yes, we need to continue basic science. We need to improve understanding of the disease. But it is not reasonable, neither responsible nor ethical to put so much of our taxpayer money and private donations into efforts that are based on premises that are highly questionable. By questionable premises, he's referring to scientific theories on what might cause Alzheimer's. As of 2018, we do know that genetics, blood supply to the brain, lifestyle, and environmental factors all play some sort of ill-defined role. We also know the disease is associated with two kinds of abnormalities in the brain. One is called amyloid plaques, essentially clumps of a protein called beta amyloid that can damage brain cells. The other are called neurofibrillary tangles. That's when a normal and helpful protein called tau gets tangled up and can't help with the transport system of brain cells like it usually would. What we don't know is if these abnormalities actually cause Alzheimer's or are simply associated with the dementia we label as Alzheimer's. This uncertainty, this complexity, is precisely why gerontologist Caspi has problems with Alzheimer Association commercials making promises like this one. It starts with something little. It starts with something little. Tiny changes in the brain. It can happen to anyone. A request for information. A simple donation. Things anyone can do. It steals your memories. Your independence. Your loved ones. It ensures care, support, a breakthrough. And one day. And one day. Sooner than you'd like. Sooner than you think. You die from Alzheimer's disease. We cure Alzheimer's disease. Do one little thing to help end Alzheimer's disease. The next click call or donation gets us closer to ending America's sixth leading cause of death. And that's big. Alzheimer's Association. 
the brains behind saving yours. But you really have to ask, how many diseases have we actually cured? And what would a cure for Alzheimer's look like? Dr. Peter Whitehouse is a geriatric neurologist and cognitive neuroscientist at Case Western Reserve and the University of Toronto, who's doubtful Alzheimer's is a single disease that will be slowed down or fixed with a single drug. At the, at the core of this issue, the question is, what are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to take a 95-year-old person who has a diagnosis of Alzheimer's and revert them, cure, eradicate uh, those memory problems? We don't even ask seriously what a cure would look like. The word cure is so powerful, it shuts off people's ability to think critically about where we should prioritize our resources. That said, the Alzheimer's Association itself knows that the easiest way to raise money is to, in my mind, irresponsibly make claims that we will find an effective intervention. So this overemphasis on biological approaches in general, medical approaches, is to me problematic. The promises that we will have magic bullets in a short time horizon are irresponsible. And, according to some, could lead to real harm. Bob Savage is 87 years old and was diagnosed with mixed vascular and Alzheimer's dementia three years ago. They're using fear of what people may, may get this dementia as a basis for raising money, which then extends to increasing the serious stigma related to uh, getting dementia. And that's the part that I really and bothered more about because it's scaring the hell out of people. And they figure by giving a magic cure, by giving money to research, that uh, they will come up with a magic cure and maybe they'll, they will find that they don't have to go through this terrible thing. However, what's happening is right now there are thousands and thousands of us in this country that have already been diagnosed and our care partners and ourselves are getting very little help from the government or from the Alzheimer's Association about how to live, how do we accommodate changes in our life so we can live a more positive life. And it's very hard to get accurate numbers on exactly what percentage of the Alzheimer's Association's money goes to research and what percentage goes to support. I reach out to them for clarification on this, as well as their response to those who allege their narrative has become unbalanced, but got no reply. But if you listen to their commercials, it's quite clear that the one-two punch of fear-mongering, coupled with a promise of cure, has become their prevailing fundraising narrative. You have dreams, goals for the future. What if they were stolen from you by Alzheimer's? This cruel disease is the nation's sixth leading cause of death, affecting more than five million Americans. The Alzheimer's Association has been behind every major advancement and continues to lead the fight against Alzheimer's. We won't rest until we have a cure. Join us. Go to alz.org. Nothing is stolen. The person, the human being that had these dreams, you know, they can't articulate their speech. It doesn't mean that they've given up on anything. Judy Berry was a caregiver for her mother, who died with vascular dementia, one of the more common of the dozens of dementia subtypes. She also ran two innovative care homes that handled behavioral issues in dementia with non-pharmacologic approaches. 
I try to get support from the Alzheimer's Association. They always told me the same thing. All our money goes to research for the cure. And I said, what about the people today, the 5 million people you say have Alzheimer's? Shouldn't they deserve to have a better life? So for me, back when I was dealing with it as a family caregiver, they were still out there pushing the myths of your person is fading away. They're going to be gone. You know, they're going to die in little increments. And they did that. It made me angry because they did that in order to raise money. And those kinds of things are hurtful to the people with dementia. Dr. Mary Radnofsky is a former college professor who was diagnosed with dementia in her 40s. You, you know, in a, in a picture when you're looking at a painting and someone says, look at the negative space, when you look at the negative space, you see the absence of a brush stroke, for example, right? Well, when you look at the cure narrative, what's in the negative space? It's the absence of any narrative about living, about living now. The, the word cure is always in the future. There's nothing wrong with a narrative about cure. That's all well and good. But there absolutely has to be a balanced message. And do you remember earlier when gerontologist Elon Caspi said he felt an unbalanced message by the Alzheimer's Association is, quote, not reasonable, responsible, or ethical? It's a provocative statement, so I thought I'd run it by Dr. Lee Turner, a bioethicist at the University of Minnesota. Here's what he had to say. I think it's unethical in the sense that it's, it, it lurches into the territory of making false and unrealistic promises. And the problem is that, you know, with a great many diseases, there's not some some cure that's on the horizon. It's it's misleading rhetoric that takes advantage of, of people's hopes, desires, aspirations. So, I mean, it's coming up in this case, it's coming up in the context of, of Alzheimer's disease. But, you know, you can take very similar, you know, kinds of language and and you can see the same sort of thing in terms of advertising, fundraising for, you know, so-called cures for cancer. You know, it's it's sort of the vernacular that gets used in terms of trying to get people to open up their pocketbooks. It's interesting that Turner brings up the comparison with promises for a cancer cure. Think about it. The Alzheimer's patients and caregiver you just heard from feel that not only does dangling the promise of cure instill false hope, but it also diverts attention and resources away from those struggling with the disease in the here and now. Earlier this summer, in a podcast on the language of cancer, we spoke with cancer patients who found words like cure, battle, and survivor as equally hurtful to those who did not experience cancer as a battle and would likely not survive or be cured. They too felt alienated and excluded by a prevailing narrative. At issue here is not semantics, rather that health media messages can be packaged by influential groups with significant financial interests in such a way that can do more harm than good, and in such a way that is not supported by the best available evidence. Which brings us back to those seven words we open the podcast with. The reason they have no place in healthcare messages is they rarely have anything to do with what we know, but they certainly prey upon what we feel. 
Here are some closing thoughts from those you've just heard from. So I think the media has bought into the excitement of the potential for powerful biological interventions that will, let's say, cure or slow the progression of the disease. Um, and I do, do not think in general the media has been critical enough of the claims that are made by scientists and clinicians and lay organizations that such a effective therapy is available in the short-term horizon. The Alzheimer's Association uh, has been promoting this idea that we would have an end to Alzheimer's disease by 2025. This is, in my mind, a highly unrealistic goal. And then you can kind of go beyond that and say, you know, for a lot of organizations, if they're about helping human beings and dealing with genuine human needs, you know, maybe focusing on CARES is not the only way to, uh, to, to kind of, you know, justify the existence of organizations. Things like providing appropriate caregiving, family support, you know, those matter as well. This focus on the cure completely detracts from the present the moment right now living living well with a disease today so we know that it's possible we are living proof it's just sad that millions of people don't get that message and people believe the myths and the Alzheimer's Association supported those beliefs and all I can say is that hurt a lot of people and those kinds of ads and things for money and stuff like that as a family caregiver that just raises the hair on the back of my neck what i think what they should do is to be willing to put say 40 percent of the money they're raising towards supporting the care partner and the person with dementia i criticize the Alzheimer's association for their unbalanced approach but I hold this organization uh, is dear to my heart because they also provide very good services and support and consultation and programs to these individuals. But I think that if they would balance their narrative, if they would balance their mission and focus on the person first, their impact could be a hundred times larger. This podcast is a production of healthnewsreview.org. It's produced at our institutional home, the School of Public Health at the University of Minnesota, along the banks of the mighty Mississippi River. I'm Michael Joyce. Thanks for listening. Thank you.